You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our current sponsors, uh, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. As you well know, if you've been following This is Oklahoma, they've been a huge part of this podcast. So this podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling an Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. Also for the podcast, a new sponsor, RCB Bank. The home market is booming and RCB Bank is here for you. If you're in the market to buy a home, a mortgage pre-qualification will make the process much easier. Talk to one of our mortgage professionals today. RCB Bank, that's my bank. With approved credit, terms and restrictions apply, member FDIC, equal housing lender, RCB Bank, NMLS 798151. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode down at the Bedford studio today with President CEO Homeland. Um... When I first thought of Homeland, I was like, it's the TV show. That's so cool. You're going to be, you know, part CIA and you're going to do, you know, oh, yeah. you know all that kind of yeah, you thought it was the, Homeland the TSA. And then, um, yeah, exactly. All that secret stuff. Um, but no, uh, Mark, thanks so much for joining me. Um, when I first saw your name, me being from Wales, you have a very Welsh name. Sure. Yeah. Actually, I think I've got Welsh roots. I think I was my gonna, dad's yeah. uh, side of the family originated That's, uh, in Wales. Have you done the family tree thing yet and looked at oh, all my that mom's yet? got us, I think, well, you know, in, in so my, my dad grew up in England, but the, the roots are Welsh. My mom's Scottish. So okay. I think, you know, there's only so many people on the island. I think right. three or four generations back, everybody's got, you know, some distant relation to a king or queen yeah. or something like that. So now we've got that family tree without yeah. a doubt. Uh, Welsh people are known for the most part for being able to sing. I don't have that part of me, but... Do you that, or your that, family? That, that, Can that you sing? My, maybe my mom's got it, but she's yeah. Scottish. But uh, no, I, I think that skipped my generation. Yeah, I think I'm known as tone, me. Tone, tone deaf. Yeah, same. I don't even sing in the shower because it's embarrassing to whoever might be listening. Even my dogs cry at me singing in the shower. Uh, but yeah, thanks for coming down. Excited, obviously, you know, to dive into your story and talk about Homeland. You know, it's such a huge part of Oklahoma for, for over 100 years, which not many businesses can say that. Um but before we dive into the Homeland stuff and everything that you guys do community-based, I know we have a store opening up soon. And by the time you guys are listening to this, the store will be coming open this week, uh, September 1st. But before we do, what is kind of like your your story? Like, where did you grow up? I grew up in Canada. Okay. Um, I grew up uh, mainly in Western Canada, a little bit in the city, a little bit rural, small town. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh both my parents were involved in kind of education one way or the other. My dad worked at a college and university, and my mom was a high school math teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, both my brothers ended up uh, becoming teachers or professors, and I'm the, the black sheep that ended in the, the grocery <laughs> business almost almost by accident. But yeah. uh, I, I can't seem to escape it, and, and it's just so much fun. Who would want to? Right. So growing up in Canada, you play ice hockey? Uh, no, I'm. Uh, in addition to not being a good singer, I have no skating ability. Last time I tried to ice skate, I think I got four stitches in, in my forehead and, and gave it up pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, so but a big hockey fan, though. But a big yeah, hockey absolutely. fan. Okay, yeah. And then, um, yeah, I mean, what else is Canada known for? Maple syrup? Yeah, maple syrup. Yeah. Yeah, beavers. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. I didn't realize the other day, I, the other, I say the other day, I watched a, a documentary probably last year um, while I was stuck at home. And it was talking about, like, maple syrup and the fact that Canada has a maple syrup reserve. 
Sure, you don't want to run out of that. And that blew me away. I was like, they really take this stuff seriously, the fact that there's a building somewhere and they have a reserve. uh, And it was, I think, vandalized or people are stealing it out of the reserve and made the headlines. I think that down here we've got the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Very important. In Canada, no, it's it's Maple Maple (laughs) Syrup. Brilliant. So, so how do you come from Canada then? What 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 gets you into the states? Well, well I'd like to say it was like a well-orchestrated career path. Um, but my, my undergrad degree was political studies, um, and for lack of uh, you know the the secretary general position at the United Nations was mm-hmm. was unfortunately filled at the time Sadly. when I graduated. So I ended up with a bunch of odd jobs and, and stumbled into one in a food packing plant that then became a, a food distributor. Uh, business, mm-hmm. um, and, and I started getting sucked in not only to the business world, but but the food business in particular, okay. which was you know growing up we were always. My, my family was always trying different cuisines and all sorts of crazy yeah. experiments in the home kitchen going on. So uh, it was a fun business for me, but but with the political studies background, maybe not the right. most adept business mind. So I started taking night school classes. Uh, long story short, ended up uh, deciding to go back, get my master's, and, and ended up moving down to the States to do that. Okay. So, so growing up then, it was more like political-based, and you thought, I'm going to go do... Oh, I had no that. idea. I mean, I, yeah. I really, it was... Uh, it wasn't like, like I'm going to go to university and general it, business degree, but you still... I don't want to say there was a plan that then didn't, yeah. didn't fall kind of together. No, there just was no plan. Yeah. Um, so I ended up kind of by default in, in the, the crazy business world and luckily found a home uh, in, in the food business, gotcha. really, and, and kind of spent the occasional yeah. time trying to get out of it and getting sucked, sucked into it because there's something about uh, feeding right. people. That and I it's think, always uh, different. Right? It is, it's different. So it's it's products, basic. Yeah. It's um, something I think um, people, I, I certainly can take a lot of satisfaction at the end of no the day doubt. that you're kind of putting food on people's, yeah. people's tables. And you didn't want to go down the education route like your parents? No, I got uh, a lot of dinner conversations about, uh, hey, wouldn't it be good if? um, But And and I guess what what my response has now evolved into in those family conversations is is I think, you know, in in anybody, uh, whether you're in the business world or Mm -hmm. or otherwise, education and teaching people is is at the core of what we do as humans. I mean, I'm I'm a dad. I don't do a very good job of teaching my kids, but it's every conversation you're hoping that something sinks in so uh, I I guess I like to think I'm I'm in the educational field it just might not be the formal academy it might be no teaching people about food and and what to buy and how to run a supermarket yeah and so I mean with having family in education and you know experimenting with food and all going to different restaurants you guys must have had a pretty good summers with times off then because that's the one thing that like teachers are known for is oh. enjoying your your six to oh, eight or hour uh, weeks that you know you get off the we'd uh, pack into the Volkswagen Vanagon and we'd head down uh, either the Vancouver Island coast mm-hmm. or we'd head down the Washington State and Oregon coast growing up yeah. and we'd camp and we'd Kind of cook stuff up over the campfire and um, dreamy. Yeah, it was. Don't it get was that fun. in Oklahoma. Not not as much I mean, coastline. You, you I mean, we got yeah. lake lakefront, but lake not, front, not yeah. as much oceanfront in Oklahoma. Um, yeah. But uh, but still a lot of beauty. But it's 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 diff- a different sort of kind of geography, right. without a doubt, than we yeah. growing up in. So so going so you, you go to university, then mm-hmm. you do you know, kind of get into the political side of things, and then decide this. I don't know what to do. This is still trying to figure it out. And then you go to graduate school, which brings you to the state. Sure. Yeah. 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 So I yeah. I decided I was taking night school classes. I said, hey, I'm gonna maybe 
do this kind of an executive MBA program or, sure. or whatever. And again, I think maybe, hopefully I'm a little more organized now, but my well-organized mind, okay, I'll, I'll take some night school classes and I'll apply to a few schools and then, yeah. then heaven forbid, you write the the GMAT and they give you a big long list of schools and you don't recognize half of them and so you check a few boxes of names that you recognize right. and, and Harvard University was one of those and wow. as it turns out I had a good day writing a test and uh, and, and the rest rest was yeah. moved down to Boston for a couple of years which was was very nice and, and at that point you kind of had you'd been working kind of in the grocery business already or yeah, in the, in okay. the food business so yeah. um, we were uh, uh, the company I was working for at the time help, helping to run was a small uh, private food distribution Distributor. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we were the first organic uh, meat packer in Canada. Gotcha. Um, so we did case ready beef for uh, supermarkets. We did a yeah. lot of restaurant business, a little bit of export. Um, nothing uh, nothing usual. So right. it was uh, like organic beef was as mainstream as we got. We had. Um, uh, Arctic muskox and mm-hmm. elk and rattlesnake and you name it. We were the guys that if yeah. someone didn't know if it was even legal, they would pick up the phone and we'd right. fig- figure it out. You know, kangaroo, you name it. So that must have been. I mean, tasting days must have been great. Oh, it was fantastic. Right? I mean, some hits and some misses. Oh, you know, there's a reason yeah, yeah. that some protein isn't as popular yeah. as, as beef. Um, but uh, without a doubt, we had a crazy wedding. We had um, our Arctic muskox actually was a centerpiece of our wedding, but uh, uh, it was like a buffet. Um, and so we had everybody coming up to us afterwards saying, that was the best roast beef I've ever had. You know, it was like a whole station. And we didn't have the, you know, sometimes you, you would know they were adventurous enough that you could right. say, no, that was muskox actually. Yeah. And other times you'd say, oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, you, was, you, you wouldn't need, tell them. You don't need to know. They don't, yeah. you're right. They don't need to know at all. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, for me growing up, like I never really tried anything crazy like that. But coming out here, I've had you know, I had friends who've gone hunting and they bring me back and uh, a friend who went on a kind of like commercial, like a, a company trip hunting and he's like, I have a bunch of elk that I'm not going to eat. Do you want some? I'm like, yeah, sure. And he shows up with a giant freezer and he's like, <laughs> they probably shouldn't be allowed to do this, but he just handed me a few steaks and he's like, yeah, this is great. Uh, and now I'm a huge fan. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and it's healthy and you exactly. see most of it's low fat and, mm-hmm. and obviously, uh, you know, hasn't been given any right. hormones or anything unnatural. Yeah, without yeah, that. that. That whole kind of game thing you know hunting and and, and the, the you know the the people obviously there, there's a, there's two in there there's there's people that that go and hunt and for trophy mm-hmm. use and then there's people who hunt to eat and the hunt to eat part is I just, you know i can that. relate to that the trophy hunting part i mean i don't know there's there's something there's some screws loose there or some part of you i don't know i don't get it there's an i mean there's plenty of people online who moan about that stuff and rightly so uh so you get to harvard business school well, I mean, what's that moment? Where, where were you when you found it? You going, you got into it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure I was at home, and it was back in the days when they mailed you the package, and yeah. you get the thick package, and you go like, oh, I, maybe this is good news, but, but you don't, you don't want to right. kind of have any expectations. And no, it was a, it was a quite honestly, it was a surprise. It was a surprise. Yeah. Uh, Two years on, when I when I actually made it through there and graduated, you know, you kept on expecting someone to tap you on your shoulder and say, right. "No, you know, we meant a different Mark Jones," but it was too late yeah. at that point. Um, and and uh, you know, I spent two years at, at Harvard Business School, um, learning, kind of gaining confidence, and and honestly meeting mm-hmm. people from all these exotic industries, consulting companies, and yeah. these people I'd seen on movies and people called investment bankers and thinking, oh, this would be, um, you know, 
so fun and so right. interesting uh, career. Um, uh, and then I guess I made the mistake of joining uh, the, the nerdy little food industry club <laughs> um, and, and kind of hanging out with a bunch of people with similar right. backgrounds and similar interests. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, upon graduation, I was back in the back in the food business. And, right. and very happy to be so because sure. I guess it takes, sometimes it takes that journey, right, to realize kind of yeah. what motivates you. And, and it's just, for me, it was back to being able to feed people. And I, right. I ended up joining a company that... Uh, Develop private label programs for okay. for retailers, so that kind of resonated within me that hey, there's a way to a save way, people yeah. money and give them high quality right. foods. Um, um, you know, within the supermarket yeah. business. What were some of the can? So you did that for two years. What were mm-hmm. some of the case studies you guys worked on, and, and kind of you know interesting stuff you find from doing that, as well as like. You know, you mentioned. I'm sure you got some pretty good lecturers coming in to tell you. Oh, you know, I, I, it doesn't, I, I, it's not it's not one of the best business schools for no reason, right? No, I remember Warren Buffett uh, coming in one day and uh, speaking to kind of the the lecture hall, um, and it was right at the the height of this for the first, I guess, internet boom, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody was making just ridiculous amounts of money on these IPOs and stuff like that, and and uh, I remember him saying, you know, I probably should invest in all these companies. I I don't understand it, yeah. um, and and as a result, um, I'm just not gonna gonna invest it invest in it. And I remember appreciating kind of right. yeah, here's someone that's obviously very smart, doesn't okay. understand it, and is is also humble enough or uh, real enough to kind so, of admit yeah. what he knows and what he doesn't know. And right. uh, certainly Warren Buffett's had no problem increasing his personal wealth. So, <laughs> yeah, so you know, you don't fine. need to be an expert on it, on everything. Um, you know, it's it's funny. We did all sorts of crazy case studies because that was actually a big attraction mm-hmm. to me for the, for the business school at Harvard was everything's case study. So everything's real world yeah. examples that you try to put yourself in as a protagonist and, and so if there is uh-huh. even one solution. Um, so we did everything from kind of plotting out how a cranberry goes from being attached to the bush to being part of your Thanksgiving dinner yeah. and the production, you know, where the choke points in the production are to, to seafood companies, um, to, to kind of leadership exercises or, or refinancing uh-huh. exercises and, and things like that. Um, and, and it Probably didn't sink in as much as it should, but a recurring theme of all the conversation, whether it was operations management or finance or accounting, was was it's all about the people, right? Yeah. It's all about kind of, well, that's great that you're pretending to be the protagonist and you're saying you're going to wave your magic wand and everything's going right. to happen that way. But well, what are the hundred things that other people need to do yeah. in order for your dream or your new direction, your new strategy that you think is so smart um, to become reality? And and, and it's like anything, right? Like I joke about trying to teach my 18 and 16-year-old boys. No, I'm sure they're 20-something, 30-something-year-old students. Only a certain amount sinks in. But yeah. now I look back and say, boy, how, how true is yeah. that, right? Like we all, no matter what our role is, we're all working with, you know, almost everybody with other human beings. And isn't that one of the yeah. the big challenges and, and joys of life, mm-hmm. right, is, is working with other people and realizing other people aren't exactly the same as right. you just because you sit behind a desk or think this is a solution. No, you know, uh, I yeah. had a boss once that taught me the phrase, leaders need followers, right? So um, that kind of, there's a people component to, to pretty much everything we do. And, and yeah. at some points you might wring your hands and say that's horrible and that's so frustrating. Why can't everybody just do this? But 
but then you get a little older and you realize that no that's that kind makes of the, total sense the fun now. right that's yeah. the satisfaction um so um that was probably in hindsight one of my takeaways but you know at, at the time you just mm. get so focused on no i want to learn yeah. you know the choke points in cranberry manufacturing like you would ever need <laughs> you know I, i've never used that because it, it can be related yeah. to any industry <laughs> no, ever very right. transferable yeah, of course yeah. that's brilliant uh so two years then you know you do all mm. this you do these case studies you're learning a bunch and like you said you kind of find you know your your kind of passion for people and serving through the food industry did you have a job lined up when you done it kind of before you graduated yeah so i got this phone call from a company i you know i'm the canadian down in boston i ha you yeah. know, haven't heard of any, anything right uh, you know I'd say i grew up in in vancouver but uh in western canada but a lot of rural and and just a lot of odd mm -hmm. exposure to kind of some of these companies. Um, I got a phone call out, out of the blue and someone had gotten my, yeah. you know, how the, how the world works. Somebody had passed something on and mentioned something and some professor sat on some right. board and a company I never heard of said, hey, come on down and yeah. uh, visit with us. And we're in this place called Connecticut, which, you know, <laughs> Sure. I think yeah. I roughly know where that is. I yeah. um, uh, figured out how to get down there, meet with them, and that was the private label company that got yeah. me into kind of developing private labels for various yeah. supermarkets. Um, so so I, that's where I ended up going after graduation. But it was, um, again, maybe back to my secretary right. general of the United Nations plan. Probably yeah. not, not well orchestrated other, other than just maybe realizing a little some of what was but I, you know, I knew I wanted to be back mm. in the food industry. I didn't know exactly where until yeah. the phone rang. And did you want, like, if you didn't get that phone call, were you going back to Canada to be kind of in the food industry? Like, or looking, do you want to stay in the States? And Yeah, I was actually wrestling with that. Yeah. Um, and there was a big Canadian alumni network that mm -hmm. was saying, hey, all Canadians down in the business school, come on back to Canada. Yeah. And there was... American companies saying, "No, we want yeah. you to stay here." So, no, I was I was in the middle of one of those kind of right. midlife. What What do I do next, and which opportunity yeah. do I pursue? So it was it was very much yeah. kind of something I was wondering about. But but to be honest, um, and you come from from Wales, but mm -hmm. part of a, a, a bigger nation. Um, but mm -hmm. Canada is a pretty small. It's a big, it's a massively big country, but population-wise, yeah. and we're all clustered right along the border. So, so I'll be honest, I was considering all sorts of different opportunities, but the yeah. lure of, of moving down to this exciting United States of America yeah. um, and exploring just crazy places like Connecticut right. and Massachusetts <laughs> was exciting, and I, you know, I got a kick yeah. growing up on the West Coast where there isn't much history, and this isn't doesn't right. hold a shadow to, to Wales. Um, but you know, you'd walk down the Freedom Trail and down. Town right. Boston, and you'd like Paul throw tea in the harbor, which yeah. everyone winds me up about almost <laughs> a waste every of, year. Waste of good a waste tea, of but, good tea. Yeah. Um, but uh, but all the all the history. So so it was probably the biggest part of me was kind of hey, let's, okay. let's explore some of these these opportunities yeah, down yeah. here. And and family, like if you know brothers, sisters, and, and mum and dad, what what they think about it? Have they moved down here? They no, they thought I was crazy. I mean, they thought, why would you? You know, and Canada's beautiful. I mean, right. I get reminded that my parents yeah. live um, on a small island off the coast of uh, in between Vancouver and Vancouver okay. Island. So, you know, we, we visit there and are reminded just the, yeah. the natural beauty is... Beaches you know, and mountains. Oh, eagles circling yeah. overhead every now and then a killer... I mean, it's, yeah. it's like a 
postcard or travel log every day from their from their uh, porch. But um, so no, everybody thought we were crazy, uh-huh. and and why would you do that? But you know, yeah. um, uh, my par- my parents taking the adventure of moving from England and Scotland to Montreal, and then ending up on the right. west coast after a few stops, they could kind of at least I think relate to kind yeah. of the, the trying something new. And and as it turns out, you know, we all grew up on the on the west coast of Canada, but b- both my brothers are now living um, okay. uh, in England. So okay. so they yeah. didn't stay put either. They right. went back to, to England and, and we moved south. So it's, it's you, a little warmer down here. What do your here. brothers do? Are they in education? Uh, yeah, well, I got, uh, so my mom was a high school math teacher. Uh-huh. My younger brother is uh, uh, a high school math teacher at the yeah. equivalent in, in England. Um, and my uh, twin brother is a, a law professor okay. uh, in York, England, University of York. Yeah. yeah. It does refugee law. You guys identical twins? Uh, you know, we've never gotten the test, but I, I would say if we if you're sitting here, yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah. It would be hard to tell the difference. That's uh, that's super interesting. I we, we don't have kids, and I so I said to my wife, I was like, I'm not like I'm planning on having any anytime soon. But if I were to have kids, I want twin boys. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, you're crazy. I'm like, no, but think about it, like. There's something special about twins, you know. Like oh, you, I, I think that I mean there is. I think uh, growing up, it, it is both a blessing and a curse, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's like, no like any, anything. Yeah. You know, there were days when, you know, when people would mix us up, and we, I used to wear a shirt. I'm Mark. He's Mark, and then he would wear a shirt. I'm Mark, and he's Mark. You know, and he'd, he had the I, same initials. Uh, we say, well, I, I think I think that's a requirement. If you have twins, yeah, so you, you have to have name them, them very similar names, yeah. just like Mark and Martin, or you know, Michelle and right. Mallory, or, or it yeah. has to be very very similar. That's um, so if he if he liked yellow, I would like orange. If he liked strawberries, I would yeah. I would force myself to like to blueberries or different. raspberries or something different. Yeah. Do you ever play any tricks on family or people or whatever? Uh, every now and then, but not yeah. uh, not as much because again, the kind of the overarching yeah. emphasis was I hate this. That, that uh, why that, am I the that same as you? The yeah. same. Um, yeah. So it was kind of not a road that we enjoyed going down <laughs> until <laughs> now. Awesome. We, now we have great fun right. know, uh, with it because we both got kids and yeah. it's fun. Um, it's fun pretending to be yeah. each other and, and God, play. Awesome. And I mean, you're probably in the same boat that I am. We'd like to go visit, right? Uh, oh, you know, yeah. soon, or we haven't been able to visit for almost two years now. But it would be nice to go to the UK and visit and like see all the history and then travel and hang out. But hopefully soon we'll be able to that, go that do that. That is the downside, right? That yeah. is the downside to having family. Uh, all over. It's great uh, when you want an exciting vacation to a place uh-huh. that you don't normally see, and it, yeah. it sucks when you can't just hop in the car and and see them, Definitely. especially in the middle of these travel restrictions and that yeah. sort of thing. Have you been able to go back to Canada? Not yet. No. no, still no. Not I, mean, yet. I mean, I think technically we can because we're, right, we're but U.S. citizens, but also Canadian, so we yeah. can get across. But um, you know, just with the, the guidance and, and the quarantining and, yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. God, wild, wild world that we live in. Um, so we, we Skype a lot and we Zoom a lot, and yeah. I guess it's, but you know that's not unusual right. now, right? So we've just gotten a little more adaptive the technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you get hired then by this company, mm-hmm. uh, and you think I'm going to go to Glamorous, Connecticut. Oh, well, Glamorous, <laughs> Connecticut was only only one of many stops. My wife yeah. could list them all off. If she's, she's got a map uh, at home with arrows all over it, showing us ping ponging around the U.S. So yeah. it was um, from Boston. It was Connecticut. Uh, Rochester, New York, uh, Phoenix, uh, Arizona, Pittsburgh, um, uh, Hong Kong, um, probably probably the most glamorous. Yeah. Um, uh, 
Portland, Oregon, and then we hopped off the train and, and moved to North North Carolina oh. with a different company. But yeah. but no, for us it was you know even Pittsburgh, right? People you live down in Phoenix. It's, right. It was actually not the best time of year to be moving. It was like December, um, yeah. so the perfect time to be in uh, Phoenix. <laughs> not the perfect <laughs> time to convince yeah. your wife to move to Pittsburgh. <laughs> right. Um, but a, but a wonderful town, and and we were for us it was just an adventure, right? Uh, yeah. You know we were the kids from Canada just exploring a new a new place. We didn't have kids, although we had had both our boys in uh, in Pittsburgh um, so we were four four years there so yeah we just moved around it was a sort of job that yeah. you know hey you're doing a great job my, my wife grew to kind of hate my uh, annual evaluation sessions because you know hey you're doing a great job but the business here is too small to yeah. promote you what about this opportunity we've got in fill in the blank? You know, I'd come home and she'd like, you know, like, where are we going now? part of her would want me to say, yeah. oh, I got a really good annual review. And then the other part was like, oh, yeah. I just finally got a doctor and made some friends. And right. now we're off to Pittsburgh in the middle of winter or, or whatever the case is. With so, the kids and everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and the kids really was what, uh, you know, Hong Kong was fun with the kids. Portland was fun with the kids. But yeah. we kind of fast forwarded and said, you know what, we want to want to settle down and, yeah. and find kind of one place to to um, raise our kids, um, and that's yeah. when we moved from Portland to North Carolina. I, I switched from the company I was with, which was Damon, uh, doing the private label, to uh, a little retailer called The Fresh Market, based okay. in Greensboro, North Carolina. Yeah, tell me about Hong Kong because I've been I've been to Japan, and they I mean they it's incredible. Oh yeah, I, I was shocked and blown away at the same time. Um, just how efficient they are, how and just everything is totally different, and is a reason why you know the China and, and that area, Asia, is just a powerhouse now in the world. Oh, it was uh, it, it was fun. I mean, we we don't regret for a second uh, moving there and living there. We were only there maybe a year, year and a half, um, but we also don't regret like moving sure. from from there. So the the funny thing about Hong Kong was after I graduated from Harvard, we took a bit of a, we got these Circle Asia tickets, we traveled around to a bunch of countries on kind of a cheap yeah. airfare that kept on you having to go back to Hong Kong. And I remember standing in the middle of Central in Hong Kong, saying to Irene, as we were ducking in and out of air conditioning, because it was ridiculous, Oklahoma has, like, is hot, but Hong Kong is like, just yeah. humid and hot and smelly yeah. and um, and there's so, people everywhere and ev everywhere yeah. jostling you because they just need to get through you to where they want to get to and saying oh wouldn't it be neat if we one day lived here and then sure enough whatever it was 15 years later yeah. we, were, we were in Hong Kong but it, but to me it's uh, like everybody knows or you, you you look at a few pictures and you're like oh it's really densely populated and then it's it's like the little things um, that for me really kind of wake you up right yeah. like about what how different uh, a lifestyle it is like uh so we just had our second son so Declan was probably less than six months old when, yeah. when we decided to move around the world I wouldn't necessarily recommend that to, to anybody <laughs> just anybody listening but not yeah my advice don't um uh but um uh, so Irene being the, the great mom that, that she is, she had all his toys and mm -hmm. like she, she filled a 20 foot container with like baby toys, yeah. which are, which are as, as it turns out, all made in China, all readily available <laughs> in China. And like only like, 
3% would ever fit in like right. any reasonable, like ridiculously expensive, but still incredibly yeah, tiny yeah, yeah. apartment in Hong Kong. So there was like more than a few epiphanies like that. Or like, you know, we didn't have a car because you, yeah. you, you just don't. You're living yeah, in a city. One. So yeah. you end up taking this, the subway, walking a lot, which was, was great. Um, and then taking taxis a lot. Yeah. Um, well, there's no room for a big um, stroller with one of these clip-in, clip-out um, uh, car seats, right? Um, so, so you just You're have to adjust carried, yourself. Yeah. Like so, so our, which is probably horrible. It probably someone will say no. This would have not helped him at all. But you know, we'd have like a baby Bjorn. Declan would be strapped to, to my front. I'd put the seatbelt on, embrace myself in the back seat just in right. case, you know, because the taxis are zipping zip yeah, around. Yeah. And, and But you just get used to it, right? So yeah. it's like, to me, it was like the small little adjustments in life um, that probably yeah. were, you know, we expected crowded, we expected busy, we expected people from sure. all over the world. It was just some of those small, um, small adjustments that kind of sunk in. Um, what are some of like the big kind of lessons then from the, from the industry that you kind of brought from Asia and, and just how the systems that they have and the way that they do business? Uh, oh, oh, well, to me, the big takeaway, uh, which I guess is a takeaway, but but everybody can decide if they want to um, to apply it, was that there was no reason for anybody to be in Hong I mean, it, it's, a, it's a fun city. There's yeah. a lot to do. The food is great. It, it's, there's actually a it's a it's a pretty city too, mm-hmm. um, in terms of some of the views and architecture and that sort of thing. But there's really only one reason that anybody lives there, and that and that's to make money. Yeah. Um, and the one thing I appreciated most about Hong Kong was it, it was just straightforward and in your face, and people would you'd get moved from Australia or from the UK or from Germany or yeah. from you know. Uh, Phoenix or Pittsburgh or wherever, and they'd stick you, you know, your company yeah. was sticking in Hong Kong, and, and I was there to help uh, source um, goods um, from mm-hmm. China, mainly China, other Asian countries as well, um, for U.S. retailers, um, but but yeah. you were there with that kind of sole purpose, um, and, and yeah. so... Uh, it's great, um, but but again, that's one of the reasons that I, that I, we don't regret not still living in Hong Kong. Is that right. if that's your life's motivation, then then stay there. And there's probably lots of opportunities to yeah. to make lots of money. But but for me, there were other things that were were important. Right. Family um, and coming yeah, home. Family and. Yeah. and and Pace doing, doing things beyond just kind of earning a profit for a company. Yeah. Um, that that kind of drove me that it was uh, a useful contrast, right? Uh, yeah. um, so again, nothing against it. I, what I what I did appreciate was just the honesty. There was yeah. like there was no none of this camouflaging. Like, oh no, we're all here to yeah. do good for the world or this. No, it's no, like you no, know, how much no do one, you make? How yeah. much do I make? How you know? Right. How can we make money? Um, it was like a very uh, kind know, of a rat race, isn't it? Uh, like a, a yeah. intense rat race with, yeah. with with some of the best. Rats from right. around the world. For, like, yeah, like, it's no, they weren't just sending yeah. sending kind of schmoes. Um, right. You know, it was like the the best and the brightest. And somehow I found myself uh, sent over there by accident. But yeah. it was um, yeah, a bunch of bunch of really smart people trying to trying to look for. You must have a really understanding wife when you come home and say, "Honey, I think we're going to Hong <laughs> Kong." And by the way, you're about to give birth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I, I think originally we were going to move to Hong Kong. I think two months before. So there, yeah. she has limits. My wife is. 
very understanding, but yeah. also still has has limits. And uh, no, she's she's been she's been great, but she right. does she does keep score. So that, yeah. like I say, there is, there is that map, and and every now and then it works its yeah. way into conversation. Some of the sacrifices Definitely. that she's made for our family. Yes, which it's like this is my turn yeah. now. This is what I want. <laughs> exactly. You know? Like totally. Do what oh, you yeah, want. It's all you. Exactly. So so how do you kind of you know you you're bouncing all over the world mm. for for different companies, and and how do you then get to Homeland? Does an opportunity come up? Like how, how does that work? So so I, I had been with this company in North Carolina for a number of years. We we grew the Fresh Market, which is a yeah. small kind of upscale retailer from a small number of stores in the southeast to um, to, to really co- coast to coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd left left them, and I was thinking about what my next opportunity was. Um, and I got a phone call, uh, quite honestly, and yeah. we were looking at stuff on the west coast, on the east coast, and honestly. Not, o- not Oklahoma, and being yeah. ca- Canadian, and you know, like where I'll, is Oklahoma? Kind of. Yeah. I, I had like only, be, to be honest, like a vague idea yeah. of Oklahoma I being yeah. uh, the center part, uh, maybe yeah. near Texas ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I got a phone call, and, and um, uh, the the recruiter who was looking to fill the CEO position at Homeland said. You know, this is a really interesting company. It's really nice people, and and I trusted him. And and I guess, again, it's like one of those things, right? You, it, like literally, it was a a phone call um, that changed my life. Uh, yeah. and, and and he knows it now, but at the time, he probably built a recruiter. Didn't know um, that his persuasiveness on that phone call changed the trajectory of my life. And right. he 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 didn't need to persuade me everything about the job. They still needed to meet me and all that. But it was enough to start a bunch of conversations. Um, and I'll tell you what ultimately got us to Oklahoma was um, I came out to visit. Uh, yeah. Okay, this is interesting enough. Um, what year was that? Uh, th- that was 2016. Okay. Um, uh, and Oklahoma City was um, uh, more interesting, quite yeah. honestly, than, than I, I thought uh, it would be. Um, but it wasn't even Oklahoma City. It was, you know— uh, so we're, we're a retailer. HAC Homeland is a retailer. I said, you know, I'm not going to just yeah. hang out in the store closest to the airport. I want to spend a couple of days and drive out into the mm-hmm. countryside. And, and I thought, well, and, and see what this company is about. Um, I thought, I, I, I'm smart, though. I've done this before. I, I'm going to be incognito. I'm going to wear jeans, and I'm going to take my <laughs> rental car, and yeah. I'll drive out to Woodward or Weatherford, yeah. or, and I'll just... Kind of walking, I'll be like an anonymous shopper, right? Right. Um, uh, And and so this is what won me over. There's no such thing as an anonymous shopper in any of our small town stores, even a lot of our big city stores. Um, Our employee owners know everybody, and they definitely know a guy in a rental car that is incognito as he was trying to (laughs) be, still was lingering an awful lot of time, you know, in each of the departments. Spoke kind of funny, yeah. um, uh, so but it was just like an incredibly warm experience. Like every single store I went went into, mm-hmm. um, every single store was different, which was new to me. Just how, how unique kind of the the chain of stores that we've assembled right. is. But the the universally, the, it was it was the people, and it was yeah. really really as much the small town people as as anyone that just uh, were so warm and welcoming. And and, and they did, I didn't say, oh well, you busted me. I'm yeah. the guy interviewing to be no. The, 
they were just relating to me as so kind of, hey, you're a stranger. Yeah. I know you're not from here because Passing I know everybody. Whatever, yeah. um, and striking up conversations. Uh, and, yeah. and we were coming from North Carolina, which I always thought um, was a pretty friendly place. You mm-hmm. know, it's got the, it's got a little bit of the Southern, like, yeah. you, you know, you learn some of the words that sound friendly that aren't so friendly. <laughs> um, but uh, but Oklahoma was like the real deal, like was it was just the genuine yeah. friendliness. And, and then um, I got to the point that then the deal breaker was bringing Irene and, and my right. boys out. Because um, the boys visit. are like, what, just about to start high school at well, that point? Uh, at, at that point, they were both middle school, but just okay, getting yeah. ready kind of on that cusp. And we, yeah. we thought we had timed it perfectly for a move, you know. Worst time to move. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so again, uh, life yeah. advice to anyone listening, yeah, not the best time. Yeah. Um, but but they're as um, flexible and as forgiving as, as Irene, my wife, is. Um, uh, so it, it ended up working out. But we, we brought them out, and we, I think we went to a Thunder game and yeah. uh, went down to River Sports. And, um, right. Yeah, we, we, they, you know, they, they were it, – it it's been a good move for us because we were living in a small town in North Carolina, in Oklahoma City mm-hmm. has aspects of a small town, right? Like it's like yeah. a, a big city in that we've got the Thunder and we've got River Sport and we've got all these wonderful amenities, mm-hmm. but you can still walk downtown and bump into somebody that you know, right? Or yeah. and, and there's feels like there's, I'd say six degrees of separation between everybody, but it might be like two yeah. or three. It might be like smaller right. than that. So, um, so Oklahoma City has been a great, uh, um, right. uh, great move for us, and and I, I think what won them over was also just how friendly mm-hmm. um, uh, everybody was. I think in the one of the schools that we visited, um, as we were trying to figure out where the boys were going to go to school, we had you know somebody who'd known us five minutes um, off, you know, say, "I know moving's really difficult, and it's really you yeah. guys are staying." In a hotel it's really expensive um I, I got a basement suite in my house if you if you guys want to stay there you can we had people um people i work with as well as almost str- you know strangers that we had only just met offered yeah. to help us move with their pickup trucks i mean it was just it was yeah. they, they saw the same thing that, that i saw it was it was amazing that, i had the same experience at first i thought that was very weird and odd mm-hmm. And I was first because, you know, coming from back from the UK, my initial instinct was like, what do you want from me? Mm-hmm. Right. Like what, what, you know, you don't just offer stuff mm-hmm. like that. Well, then the longer I've been here, it's just I start doing that now. Like it was just who, you know, the state and the people of the state, that's just who they are. But, and, and it's a funny combination, right? Like I, I think we are a very, it's a fun combination. Yeah. We're very independent. Yeah. Like don't, don't you impede on me. But if it's my choice, yeah. I, I will offer, right? right? Like, let, just let me offer. Don't tell me what I need to do, yes. but I will go out of my way to offer. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a very generous state. Yeah. So you make the move. You, yeah. you, you come to, you know, obviously headquarters mm-hmm. of, of Homeland is in Oklahoma City. Um, and and, and what, was the, what was the role that you were hired for at that point? So, so I joined as COO, okay. Chief Operating gotcha. Officer, and I was uh, Chief Operating Officer for about six six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, the chief executive at the time retired and that yeah. was kind of the the plan Natural there was progression a, uh, yeah. a bunch of other executives that um that were also retiring at that time so yeah. we, we pretty much brought in with the exception of our cfo who's at least given us a a small little bit of uh, <laughs> continuity thankfully um yeah. uh we brought in a new a new team um mm-hmm. and kind of uh 
you know, re- really learn, learn right. the business with great teachers and, and our 3,200 yeah. employees. But it's been it's been fun, fun yeah. for five and a half years, I guess. Right. I think one of the things, obviously, people it, it definitely that live in Oklahoma City uh, and surrounding areas know Homeland for is a lot of community support, right, mm-hmm. community help. And, you know, recently this few months ago, obviously, we had the market open mm-hmm. up. And I know you guys have a huge, huge input in that. Uh, but kind of, you know, what's that like from, from that initial experience as you know, coming here with with the people to now being a part of that community and running a company that, you know, and leading these these people and, and helping as well. Like, and obviously, you know, you, you have grocery store, right? You sell products, and, and that's the main goal. But there's a lot of stuff that you guys do that that's out there that you don't have to do. Mm-hmm. But you know, as as a company, and and we look at the the stuff that you guys have done, it's it's awesome to see. You know. Well, th- th- thank you. I mean, I, I think it is uh, awesome. I think it's also uh, fun. Um, uh, and, and to me, it's one of the, you know, we're an employee-owned company, so that has some right. benefits. Um, one is that our owners live in the community. So in addition to kind of wanting healthy communities for our business, they want healthy communities for their kids and right. for their neighbors and, and so on and so forth. The, the downside is, um, you know, five years ago, our business was stressed and challenged and it, it's taken a lot of hard work from our employee owners to kind of get to the position where you mm-hmm. were kind of afforded the luxury of being able to say yeah let's take some risks and let's yeah. uh give back to the community but but i, I think it's kind of like breathing right like mm-hmm. like we're, we are an employee-owned business and and we exist to to, to really build retirement um funds mm-hmm. for for our employees and and we're a for-profit business and so yeah. we try to make a little profit every year so we Keep kind of doing what you do, yeah. uh, Going, Um, but you know, humans, you know, so we need to make a a little bit of a profit every year. Human beings need to breathe. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you said, "What do you want to accomplish in your life?" You know, this is back to my Hong Kong uh, epiphany. You know, yeah, you know, you need to breathe. So I I get it. But but at the end of your life, it is you do want to look back and say, "Well, I breathed a lot." You know, no, there's there's other richness that you want, and and in our case, the richness that the employee ownership aspect brings is no, we want healthy communities mm-hmm. and we want to be part of that. And, and we've always been involved in that. And, and um, you know, the last couple of years have seen us be able to be probably more creative um, right. than, you know, we've, our, our employees have always volunteered and we've always fundraised and we've always worked with our regional food banks, but projects like the, mm-hmm. the market at East Point and, and this new store at 36 and Lincoln required yeah. probably more creativity and more resources than we've had before. And, and it's been fun to see kind of all our employee owners Definitely. pull together to kind of re- realize Right. Realize that. Because the new store is in that food desert location, absolutely, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Which yeah. some people listening, if you've listened to the market episode, if not, I'll link it below so you can go listen to that one as well, which we also talked about the impact that the, you know, the, the, that store has had, but also this new store that's in that area. I mean, before the store was coming, they, they, and, I mean, there was people walking and driving a long way to go to get groceries, which yeah. is in a world that we live in today is unacceptable. Oh, and, and within, you know, our, the, this new store at 36 and Lincoln will be within sight of our state capital, right? Yeah. So you, you think of kind of a radius around our state capital not having access to mm-hmm. to some of the the oh. basic, uh, I mean, there's yeah. no other word, other phrase than basic necessities, right? I mean, it's you, you need food yeah. and you need water and you need shelter and, and some mm-hmm. of that just wasn't available in, in our community. Right. And, and it's been... Um, fulfilling for us as a business to be involved because um, our headquarters is like 
literally kitty corner to yeah. to this new store. So it's That's almost good. like uh, one of those scenarios that like for 30 years, people have been, we, us included, been searching for a solution. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, the, the phrase under under your nose right all the time, right? like, like it, it couldn't be any more yeah. true. Um, um, and yet there it was, and, and just a confluence of, I go back to creativity, right? right. I mean, just, just creativity and cooperation, I, I yeah. think, are key themes in the, the market at East Point. Like, no, I know it's not been done before, but what right. what could be done? Um, you know, I know it's, mm-hmm. for 30-something years, a store hasn't uh, yeah. uh, been, certainly been proposed, but ha- hasn't been realized in Northeast Oklahoma City. Well, what would it take? And, right. and, and then maybe back to some of the themes of, Friendliness and willingness to to help in Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, you know the the that store, the store that we will open on September first, is, is a direct result of just this huge long list, too long to to name, but right. of, of community and political representatives and city officials and and private funders mm-hmm. and not for profits all, all coming together. You know, yeah. and we were we were a part, happy to be a part, but just one part of right. of it all coming so many together. People. Yeah. What was the main reason then that it wasn't there wasn't a store there? Is it because just kind of the demographic and that area? I mean when you put a store somewhere, right, like you've got to come in, there has to be people that are going to go to the store and there clearly is enough people to go to the store. But why do people just not want to go there? Well, so, so I think some is hopefully the self-fulfilling prophecy of uh, that, that we can put a pin in and pop and, yeah. uh, you know, of, well, there's no store there, so there must be a reason there's no store there, so right. I won't put a store there, and, and I'm a retailer, and it's a lot of, I mean, it, it's, it's a, risk, a lot no of doubt. risk yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, to open a store, so I will choose lower risk opportunities. Yeah. So, so I, I think there's some of that. Um, I think the other aspect is, right, like the, this particular development is, um, I, I want to say land that was formerly owned by the state combined with a MAPS uh, fitness center combined with a private developer combined with the Alliance um, Economic Development combined sure. with a TIF zone combined with an Opportunity Zone, you know, so right. combined with a company uh, like us that was willing to kind of build a 30,000 square foot store that would fit in the site and, right. and that sort of thing. So so I think some is kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy of, well, no one else has done it, so yeah. it's too high risk and I'm just not going to do it to, no, it, it really did take a, a, a whole bunch of people to come together, people to to come together um, to, you know, because we're, we're hoping that, that the store is successful and we measure success a few different right. ways, but we want it to be self-sustaining. So, so our no hope doubt. is that the store can turn a little bit of profit in addition to bringing food access to a bunch of people that, yeah. that didn't have access to food. Which, which, like, it's the reason, you know, when you have all these people in in the same room working towards the same goal, you know, it's great. Okay, this is, this is potential to work. It takes the risk away from it. But even so, I get the sense that, like, even if the store doesn't make a profit, it's not what it's about. It's the meaning and the community behind it that you're serving. Absolutely. Back to people, yeah. what you Absolutely. mentioned earlier, yeah. right? It's, it's okay if it makes money, great. But that's not like, you know, obviously we're in business to make money. But the, with this store specifically, it doesn't seem like that is the final goal at the end. It's like I have all these people around me and this huge community to, to generate, you know, a need uh, and serve. 
that's the North Star. So, uh, our North Star, we've got it. Um, we start meetings with it. We've got it on, on the wall in our office. Uh, we say we're a company with a, a mission to be a company of Oklahomans feeding Oklahomans. Mm-hmm. So so that's what we measure our success with. Yeah. And, and, yes, we want to be self-sustaining, and we need to turn a profit in order to stay around for all our employees to retire with right. with, with a little bit of a nest egg. But, but no, our, Thankfully, our, our, there's more stores that will cover exactly. that. Too. Our, our yeah. goal is to, to feed our fellow Oklahomans yeah. um, and to... I think that's noble and, um, you know, uh, admirable. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, well, Mark, thanks for coming down to share some stories. Um, thanks for, uh, it's nice to have another, I guess, transplant Oklahoman on the podcast with me. Uh, I, I, I uh, tell people I'm not Oklahoman by birth, I'm Oklahoman by choice. Yes, definitely. That's uh, one of my favorite quotes for sure, because, uh, you know, the this place is, um, you know, I fall in love with it as of you and family is obviously here and, and growing up here. And, yeah, it's something about it, isn't it? Something about that first experience or even that phone call that you had that, that piques your interest. Yeah. And then you come here and, and you meet, you know, you go out in the country and you meet, you know, the people at the stores and they immediately know that you're not from there. And But sometimes when you go to places, they know you're not from there and they're totally opposite to the way that they were right. to you. Yeah. You know, that you go anywhere and people traveling probably up the, to the Northeast will get bad experiences because they know you're from out of town. <laughs> we're not like that down here. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming in. Uh, for people listening, the store is open September 1st. I'll put the link to the to the address there and description for all that stuff uh, down below. And yeah, we will catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof. Also, huge shout out to RCB Bank for jumping on board to be a sponsor. The home market is booming and RCB Bank is here for you. If you're in the market to buy a home, a mortgage pre-qualification will make the process much easier. Talk to one of our mortgage professionals today. RCB Bank, that's my bank. With approved credit, terms and restrictions apply, member FDIC, equal housing lender, RCB Bank, NMLS 798151. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.